Normally, the way that people see habits and actions is that you do the thing and then you do the thing repeatedly and that's who you are. So I'm a software engineer, I make software, I'm a software engineer. Um, but of course, there always has to be that one step before you were all of these things, before you were a CEO, before you were um, a father, a mother, a sister, a brother, something had to happen to trigger these changes. Keep a list of evidence. Something that you do every now and then that is absolutely, you can look at it and you can say, that is what a world-class engineer would do, or that is what an excellent engineer would do. And that is one of the things that definitely has changed my team. Hello and welcome to the Gross Profit Podcast. My name is James Kennedy. I'm the CEO and co-founder of ProcurementExpress.com. We help your SMB manage your spend with magical features. And today on the podcast, I'm joined by Evan Morgan. He's the CEO at Inscope, uh, who are a custom software development house focusing on solutions for operations and finance teams. But that's not why he is here today. Evan and I were floating along a river in Lisbon. I won't tell you why, watching the submarines go by. And he told me one of the most interesting stories I've heard in a long time to do with a book that many of you will have heard of before. And if you haven't, I would recommend you go and find it. It's by the author called James Clear, and it's called Atomic Habits. Now, Atomic Habits is very interesting because it helps you achieve the goals you're looking for in an unusual way, as an unusual way of banging out. But it was all just theory to me until I met Evan. Um, and he's going to share his story today about how he managed to make a dramatic change in his life using what's laid out in the book. And hopefully, if you listen along, you'll learn a bit more about the book and, and maybe how it might be able to help you to achieve your goals as well. So, Evan, thank you very much for coming along today. Maybe you could just introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me on, James. Um, so, first of all, uh, my name is Evan Morgan. I'm the CEO and founder of a company called InScope. We're at InScope.sh. And essentially, we offer consultations and advice and custom software development for anybody that wants to uh, develop software. We have done some finance and operations. We've also operated in the medical space. And... Uh, uh, we're associated with the University of Cambridge, delivering some uh, AI solutions for them. I was floating along that river with James um, when I told him the story of how I kind of got back into the gym. He was saying to me that, you know, oh, it's something I should get back into, but I've kind of fallen out of it. And I was telling him about Atomic Habits, not realizing that he had already read it. Um, but I use the core concepts of this book to be able to turn me, a person who never loved exercising, hated it really, identified as a completely indoors person and turn myself into now a person who can happily say that they're a bit of a gym rat. You know, I go to the gym absolutely every day. Um, the only exceptions are when I'm sick or if I'm in a hotel that doesn't have a great gym. That's pretty much it. Well, let's start with that. Uh, so the book has, it, the, the interesting thing for me is has lots of books advocate for setting a goal, setting a three-year target and then a quarterly target or whatever. But none of them really help at that golden moment when the rubber hits the road, you sit down at your desk or I beg to go to the gym and you actually have to do something. You know, it's all very good on paper, setting the 
the big, hairy, audacious goal. But actually, when you have to do something, that's kind of the hard part for me. And you touched there on identity change. And what does that mean? Like, why is it important? Uh, why was it important that you didn't associate or didn't think you were a gym person or one of those jocks? That's what you weren't a jock in school, as when the sounds of it. Um, why was that important to change? Normally, the way that people see um, habits and actions is that you do the thing and then you do the thing repeatedly and that's who you are. So I'm a software engineer. I make software. I'm a software engineer. Um, but of course, there always has to be that one step. You know, before you were all of these things, before you were a CEO, before you were um, a father, a mother, a sister, a brother, something had to happen to trigger these changes. And um, the kind of step zero, I would say, and it's it's good to talk about before we get into the topics of how to change your habits or what habits to introduce, is taking stock. Because that can be one of the hardest things for people. And it was certainly a very hard thing for me. So I was born into a family of six children, uh, an Irish Catholic family. <laughs> um, you can say that um, the other five had loved exercise. Absolutely. Whether it was ga, hurling, um, whether it was cricket, football. We had a big sports bin in our house with every instrument imaginable that you could hit a ball with. Um, and uh, as the youngest, I was looking at all of this and I was being a bit like, oh, well, you know, I need to I need to carve out my own identity here. I need to, you know, push against the grain a little bit. So I became the nerdy computer type and that was me. Um, but you, when you get to the stage as I've been where I hadn't exercised for most of my life and any time I, I did exercise, I was forced to. Um, I had to say to myself, okay, Evan, listen, this isn't where you want to be. There are so many benefits to exercising. If it was a drug, it would be made illegal. Um, you can read uh, Flash was a great book, which really enlightened me to the benefits of exercising, both mental and physical. But um, more importantly, this is something that I tried again and again and never got to. So that initial that initial obstacle, obstacle zero, really, is saying to yourself, you know what, everything I have done has failed. Everything I have tried to do so far has failed. We have to try something different because there has to be a reason why these things failed. And I'm not I'm not the kind of person who thinks, okay, well, most of my life is influenced by outside factors. I would see myself as a person who is primarily the force of change in my life. And I think in order for you to, you know, adopt this kind of mental model of atomic habits or changing yourself in any way, that's the first thing you need to do to say, I can change, therefore I will change. I like the idea of internalizing, like I am a person who goes to the gym, like, and then it's almost easier then to go, well, if I believe I'm a person who goes to the gym, then what will I do? Well, of course, when I'm bored, I'll, I'll go to the gym, you know, like, and it's hard to call your shot like that sometimes, especially when you're not where you want to be. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, particularly in business, because there are sometimes when you need to compromise constantly. For example, if you say to yourself, all right, I am an excellent engineer or I'm a world-class salesman, what would a world-class salesman do? What yeah. would a world-class engineer do? 
Yeah. Those calls, you you know, and frequently the answer is, well, they wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. <laughs> Typically, you have to beat back that that voice and then you have to go to the second thing and say, OK, well, the best engineer would write tests. The best salesman would make more cold calls. Um, and that, you know, inside yourself, that answer is is not hard to reach for many people, but it is hard to execute on. But uh, the more you can get evidence to say that you are that person by doing those things, the more you identify with it, the more it becomes automatic and those habits really start to cement. So there are there are four laws of behavioral change in, in the book. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what happened after you decided you did want to leave the old lifestyle behind and how did you start making a change? Many of the previous efforts didn't work because they weren't atomic habits. I didn't try to change my life in incremental ways. I didn't have it small enough. And the biggest thing there is that I needed to get over my ego because many people's ego can say to them, all right, I'm going to learn French. I'm going to do three hours today. I'm going to do four hours tomorrow. And I'm going to learn French by the end of the week. No, I needed to make this as little as possible. And James Clear explores this in his book in a brilliant way. And the fact that compound interest is going to give you more returns than anything else. So the number one priority is consistency when you're adopting these habits, not impact at the start. So um, for example, one of the principles of uh, behavior change is to make it satisfying. Going to the gym isn't a satisfying experience for a person who is very overweight, particularly if you're doing body weight exercises, press-ups, squats, things that use your own body weight effectively against you. Even though these are the things we see in fitness montages and Rocky and, you know, that's the number one thing people jump to. And I say, no, 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 no. You need to go on a machine. You need to do very simple exercises. You're a beginner and that's okay. So um, another thing, easy way to make it, I suppose, less unsatisfying was at the end of every time I would go to the gym, I would get a piece of chocolate milk for myself. I get a bottle of chocolate milk for myself. And that would, I mean, that's what, 200 calories, 250 calories in that bottle. That eradicates any kind of weight implications from the exercise. But that didn't matter because it was about consistency. And that's okay. Later on, um, at about month three, month four, I took away the bottle um, as the reward because I didn't need it anymore. Because I was being rewarded really just by going home and being like, oh my God, I'm a person who goes to this gym. I can feel the mental benefits when I'm working. I can look in the mirror and see the physical benefits. You know, you don't need that at that stage, which was great. Um, so that's making it satisfying. So I suppose the important part of my journey was how long it took. And people often um, think that kind of French example where you can do it all in a week. It took me, um, I think it was six weeks to get into the gym, to actually go into the gym and do a full workout. Going to the gym was a, a series of goals, which is week one for seven days, get out of bed and put on my gym clothes. What would happen? Normally, I would go for a shower in the morning. That would be my reminder. I would make it obvious by putting the gym clothes just beside my shower. And I would say, okay, well, I'm not going to shower now. I'm going to go to the gym. And that's the exercise. Put on the gym clothes, take them off, 
and then resume my daily routine. Because you do have habits, whether you realize it or not. You need to take stock of those and you can then build on those, which we might talk about a bit later, but that's the idea of stacking habits that James Clare talks about in his book. Um, after that, the week two was just going downstairs, just actually putting on the gym clothes, going downstairs, going back upstairs, and then going to the shower again. I cannot emphasize how stupid I felt. <laughs> because really and truly, you know, this isn't how you treat a, a, a competent adult. This is how you treat a, not, not just a child, but a child that finds it very hard to do things <laughs> as they're directed. But because I have made such a dramatic change in my life over this this time period i cannot recommend it enough you should treat yourself as if you were a very incompetent stupid version of yourself that you love unconditionally you need to be forgiving with it and week three after that um was just walking around the corner my gym is about five minutes walk from me i remember saying to myself at the time especially when i had my gym clothes on that first week i said you know, I could just I could just walk to the gym. I could I could, you know, rip up this contract that I've made with myself because, you know, if the week begins on Monday, I said to myself on Sunday, I'm going to just do this this week. And it was very important to me because it builds up that trust. There's a lot of people out there who will say, you know, um, just trick yourself, trick yourself into doing the thing by saying that you're only going to do five minutes. No, I I really disagree with that because I think that that over time build, uh, builds itself into a oh well I'm just tricking myself I I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna do it at all um, and I'm stubborn enough that I would see it that way so I need to really stick to my word when I say I'm gonna do something or not do something so for week one. There was no going outside after the, uh, putting on the gym clothes. There was nothing like that until I did the rest of my routine. There was when I walked down to the uh, bottom of the stairs. There was no walking around the corner. Um, when I was walking around the corner, I had to turn around, even though I said to myself, "You know, the gym's only four minutes away. I've already done a quarter of the work." Um, and after that, it was walking to the gym for week four, week five walking and now this this was a good one walking into the gym picking up one weight doing one rep and leaving that's something that a lot of people probably can't bring themselves to you should have seen the looks that i was getting from the receptionist as i was walking in and walking out because it wasn't an automated system you had to check in at reception hand them your card they would hand you a key so i would come back two seconds later and they would say is everything okay <laughs> i swear i'd say they probably thought i was storing drugs in the lockers or something but anyway week six then came around um and i was in the in the gym doing a full workout and that full workout was only maybe 10 minutes long you know but that's 10 minutes more exercise than i had six weeks prior to that or years prior to that and um you know the past four and a half months since then um i've been building on that 10 minute workout to the point where i'm in the gym now 40 minutes a day and uh i'm not looking at the clock i'm not wondering you know 
how how am I going to get out of here or anything like that. It's such an enjoyable experience. And now I I probably wouldn't live anywhere that there isn't a gym because as well, you know, you have to make it convenient for yourself. Like um, I think it's number three on Atomic Habits, the behaviors change. You have to make it easy. My gym's five minutes away. If I suddenly turn that into a 30-minute walk or, you know, a 50-minute cycle, that's not easy. Yeah, that's totally ridiculous, I have to say. When I heard it, I was like, wow, that is... <laughs> and, uh, like, I, I've done the thing where, you know, there's a document I don't want to write, and I just open the document to say, I'm just going to open it, and then, you know, I start, and then once I've started, there we go. Half an hour later, I'm done. But you, what's interesting about your story is, you know, you build the muscle where you if you're going to open the document for five minutes that's it you're going to close it down even if you feel like doing more i mean when you say taking your ego out of it you're really taking your ego out of it. like what's even more i have to admire is you're coming on a podcast and telling everyone you did this stupid stuff for like six for five or six weeks right but it's amazing the power because i can see in your eyes the energy you have for the gym now right you're definitely a, a gym bunny now whereas you that identity is built you know and and it built yeah. up by step step by step absolutely and you know um talking about step by step as you build it up over time there's, there's various things that just kind of click into place if you do take on a healthy habit or, or get rid of a bad habit like going to the gym where i was saying to myself as i expanded my workout and i wanted to work on more things um i had to get up earlier um, it was just a natural part of it because I couldn't get the time from anywhere else. So I woke up 15 minutes earlier and there was no there was no pressure on it. It was just like, OK, well, if I want to do this, I have to do this. Um, and then every day you have uh, there's loads of things you can build into it, like what you do after you go to the gym, what you do before getting your protein in for the day, that kind of thing that I've started to do um, just just as a natural consequence. Um, those habits have stacked themselves up. And now I find if there's ever a day where I don't go to the gym, those things are now in danger as well. Like if, I, like I said before, if I'm sick, I might not get enough protein for the day or my day might just go to total disarray. But one of the things I really note about um, not going to the gym is the mental acuity that it gives me um, really and truly when I work I have more energy for my business. I feel more creative, although there isn't a, a reliable way to measure that. You know, it's uh, it's great. So they talk about the two-minute rule. Um, how does that fit into what you did? Yeah, so the two-minute rule is essentially if you're going to take on a new habit, make sure it's doable in two minutes. That doesn't mean that you can't expand it beyond that, but to just settle into it, for the first few weeks at least, or or rather, I believe um, James goes by uh, iterations. I think he, he names a number, it's something like 66 or 88 or something like that. Number of iterations it takes to actually solidify something into a habit. Um, and uh, other people go by days or weeks, but obviously if you do it more often, it's going to solidify quicker. Um, and the two-minute rule is just saying, keep it under 120 seconds. If you're, um, say, trying to do more cold calls, don't start with 100, because that's going to take God knows how long. Just say, I'm going to do one for week one. I'm going to do 10 for week two. And then you can build it up and build it up. Uh, in your team, then, have you been able to transfer what you've learned? Other than just telling people, I guess, that's good enough, I guess. But has it changed the way you work in a team? 
Well, I was uh, I was really inspired. Um, this is going to seem like pandering now, James. But uh, I, I when I went to talk to your company about uh, habits and just share my story, I was really inspired about how you guys um, actually introduce uh, habits in how you can get better at your job and having these activities as leading indicators rather than the lagging indicators of the results. Um, so that I, I've been thinking intensely about it, how to uh, do things. And I've instituted things like, okay, in the mornings, um, the engineer should do at least one PR for the reviews, or they should leave at least one comment on a PR. And it doesn't have to be, you know, you need to correct this. It could easily be, what does this mean? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Is this the best way to do something? And, uh, I, I'm very confident that those kind of practices will lead them to be better engineers, which is great. I like that two-minute rule because it's it's like I, I think we forget sometimes that there is time available to us. Like, you know, that old thing if you underestimate what you can do in a month and you overestimate what you'll do in a year. And if you really think of it like that one percent, like if you've listening to this podcast for your newsletter one percent better, you'll already get the idea that like little improvements over time or there's a guy called Keith Cunningham, I really like. He calls it ordinary things done consistently produce extraordinary results. And it's really that compounding effect that makes the difference between a, a, a good or an average business to a, a great, great business, you know. And it's kinder yeah. as well, you know. The guy, your competitors that are beating you, they're not beating you because they have some time machine at the back or a, a big Tesla coil that they've magically designed and engineered. They're just better at the fundamentals. You know, it's um, it, it's usually what it comes down to. Yeah, especially at the higher end of performance. And any of us, if we're in business, we're probably actually at the higher end of performance in our niche. You know, like, you know, we have whatever, about 30, let's say, virtual order management solutions that we compete against at the high end. That's not a lot considering the size of the world. You know, there's probably, well, there's hardly any um, software companies that service, you know, high-tech startups out of Cambridge, right? So even that ability to say, yeah, you know what? In my niche, I am world-class. My team members are world-class. We are world-class. Setting that expectation, what would a world-class person do? Just being being able to say that as a straight face, you and I being Irish, we have a problem with uh, over-pompous statements. So that's not in our nature. But just being able to get over that and say that is like very freeing because, yeah, no, hell, hell no, we are pretty good. You know, like we can be yeah. Class, you know absolutely and it's it's one of those things as well you know building up that evidence um i actually recently uh did a performance review with one of my engineers a lot of junior engineers that i come across have a confidence issue because there's so many things to keep track of and a large amount of engineering at the start anyway is creativity because you haven't seen all of the solutions that an experienced engineer would mm -hmm. um and uh you're kind of saying to yourself, I'm kind of flying by, by the seat of my pants here. I'm not really sure if I'm any good. Um, and I said, listen, it's very hard for you to judge whether or not you're very good in such a wide and varied field. But the one thing you can do is keep a list of evidence, something that you do every now and then that is absolutely, you can look at it and you can say, that is what a world-class engineer would do, or that is what an excellent engineer would do. And that is one of the things that definitely has changed my team. Awesome. That's a brilliant way to wrap it up, Evan. I know that's something applicable I think we could all use in our in our work. So thank you very much for that. And thanks for coming on.
Maybe you could just uh, tell people where people can find you on the Twitters or the LinkedIn's or the TikToks or whatever the kids are doing these days. Sure, absolutely. So as I said before, my name is Evan Morgan. You can uh, contact my company at inscope.sh, um, but you can also find me on LinkedIn, just under Evan Morgan, CEO and founder at Inscope. Brilliant. Thanks, Evan. And thanks very much for listening to this. I really like this topic because it fits well with our 1% better ethos in the newsletter. You can sign up in the newsletter, procurementexpress.com, or sign up for a trial and you'll get on that newsletter too. And thanks very much for sharing your story. All the best. Cheers. 